We've got a huge series between the Heat and the Bucks coming up. And to preview the games, we have Ty Windish to talk about where both teams stand halfway through the season and what we're eager to see in these next couple of games. One thing we know for sure, these games are going to be physical. They could get a little ugly. and We'll definitely have stuff to talk about after. All that coming up next on Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your Monday to Friday podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We're joined today by Ty Windish from the Eurostep Podcast and the Eurostep Podcast Network. Ty, um, you obviously cover the Milwaukee Bucks very closely. We are thrilled to have you back on the show after what seems was probably what three years now. I don't know since the bubble. I don't even know since. A while. Um, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. Nine and zero to start the season. Seventeen and fourteen since dealing with some injuries, but still right there at the top of the Eastern Conference. So I'm going to ask you this, Ty: What's up with the Milwaukee Bucks? Hey, so happy to be here. I didn't get to say it earlier. I didn't mean to imply that I'm not happy to be here, and <laughs> happier to be on this podcast than I've been to watch a fair number of Bucks games this season. I think really. You know, the as as Heat fans can probably relate, uh, a decent amount of injuries that have made life difficult for the Bucks this year. The chief one to Chris Middleton, which I'm sure we'll dive into specifically here as well. But Miss Drew for a handful of games here and there. And Drew's a player, Drew Holiday, who can tend to need a, a game or two sometimes when he comes back to really hit his stride again. And then Joe Ingles missed the first part of the season. They've worked him in since. He's had a couple of really nice games. And George Hill has missed time. And the thing about those four specific players or four or five specific players is it represents pretty much all of the team's ball handling and shot creation outside of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And clearly Heat fans know as they were, they are still one of the most effective teams at keeping Giannis out of the paint. Even teams with lesser defensive personnel can make like life difficult for Giannis if they just form up in the paint, make it so he has to go through three players, pick up offensive fouls. The new emphasis on traveling this year has not been easy for Giannis either. And if there's no shot making and inconsistent shooting, which the Bucks have had around Giannis, it just turns games into slogs. And there's been a lot of those slogs this season. So the Bucks now really just the focus, I think, is trying to get healthy and then really remain and maybe even move up a little bit in the top of the East. You know, the Nets have played really well, but Kevin Durant out for a while, their schedule tightening up. We'll see how they're able to weather that. The Celtics obviously just keep winning no matter what, which credit to the Celtics. But I think the Bucks. I think the, the goal should be to eventually make sure they solidify that top two, top three standing. And really, we know this team's main goal is to be ready for the playoffs, be healthy by then, which I think is why they've been especially cautious with players, especially Chris. Yeah, it feels is, Go ahead, David. Yeah. No, I was just going to ask about Ingles because, I, I mean, I know that he's being incorporated, but he's provided a boost of late. I, I saw the term Kroger Chris, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's providing a little bit of what Middleton does, at least as a starter. So has he been effective in his role off the bench? Has he been integrated now to the point where he can be somebody you can rely on to create offensively for a team that does need a boost offensively? 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be the same every night. I mean, he just had a tremendous game for the Bucks and was really important in their comeback win over the Knicks. But I think he hit like five threes and probably at least three of them were pull-up threes. Do I expect the Ingles to score 15 points from the three-point line every game or at all every game? Probably not, right? But I do think he's shown that he can make nice passes, nice reads. He can run, pick, and roll. And maybe as importantly as anything, Giannis trusts him to do so. And that's something where if you watch the Bucks enough, you'll see – Sometimes there's some lineups where Giannis has just been like, I'm just not going to give the ball up, dude. Like, get it to me in the post. I'll just, I don't care how many guys are over here. Unless you're a wide open shooter, you're not probably going to get the ball that much. Whereas Ingles, he'll come over, he'll run dribble handoffs, pick and rolls with Ingles. Like, you can tell there's some respect there for him as a ball handler, the same way Giannis would play with a Chris Middleton, a Drew Holiday. Um, not, honestly, not even George Hill, they really play that much that way with. So, I think he's integrated himself pretty well. Defensively is is certainly going to be a concern going forward, but he has shown that he can add some real juice to the offense. And if he can do that on an every night basis, I think that helps solve what has clearly been the Bucks' biggest issue this season. Yeah, something I noticed the other night, uh, I think it was the end of that Knicks game. It was a close game at the end of the fourth quarter there, and and Joe Ingles was in at that closing lineup. And you saw Giannis like really deferential mm-hmm. to Ingles. Like, like there was one possession where I think he just like Ingles would pass it to Giannis and Giannis would just give it right back to Joe Ingles. He's like, no, man, like do something with this. Is that, is that sort of Giannis trying to get his new teammate involved a little bit? Yeah, I think so. And I, I just think it really shows that like the Bucks and Giannis in particular, look at Ingles as a guy who they can trust to do that. And there's just, this is just not a roster with a ton of those, you know, it, early in the season, Javon Carter, who's been a great story for the Bucks and really excelled late last season and earlier this season, looked like he was going to step up and provide some of that. And has just been a little too hesitant offensively. The shooting numbers have really dipped. His minutes have started to dip as well. Still provides some nice offense. But, you know, some of their worst parts of the season were, you know, mainly Javon Carter and Grayson Allen handling the ball. And those two guys just not able to do enough with it and, and not able to do enough, even with Giannis on the court which is why you look at like December and setting parts of January, they had uh, worse numbers with Giannis on than off, which obviously is a huge mm-hmm. red flag for a Bucks team that's supposed to be built to emphasize Giannis. And I think Ingles coming in and providing that juice, that off dribble shot making, and really it's just probably part of it is, you know, his age has been seen as a downside by Bucks fans. He also knows what he's doing with the ball and has run thousands of pick and rolls and clearly is comfortable and able to do that. So, yeah, I think that's Giannis trying to integrate him more and just it shows how Giannis feels about him. And I mean, you look at this is a player who kind of had to be talked into giving up the ball more in 21, even to Chris Middleton, who now is, you know, seen as this golden beacon for the Bucks, Right. But it's not an easy thing for a superstar to be off the ball more. Giannis leads into that for the right players. And I think he's right. seen Ingles as one of those guys. Yeah. And he could potentially like even during this whole Milwaukee Bucks run, they've always had sort of four guys that they knew that they were going to go to in crunch time. That fifth guy has always sort of been different year in, year out. Maybe this year it could be Joe Ingles. Um, you, you talk about him being a veteran, all that kind of stuff. It certainly helps. Uh, what's the latest on Chris Middleton and this knee injury? What's going on there? Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. Who knows? We probably won't know exactly what it was until we hear from Chris himself. I mean, we didn't know really what happened with Brooke Lopez until he was back and reporters asked him. And he just was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I will. Um, so maybe Chris will do the same. Maybe Chris won't talk as much. But it, it, with Chris, both of his absences this season – have just been a confluence of things. Like, you know, he's recovering from the off-season surgery and also misses all of training camp and preseason, and they want to ramp him up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then his dad passes away. And it's like, that takes him out of it. 
and he has to ramp up again. And then he's able to return, and then his knee bothers him, and then he gets sick. He had whatever was going around, which I think the Bucks and a lot of the NBA have seen this season. Like, George Hill said he lost, like, 10 to 15 pounds dealing with whatever oh. this was. So non-COVID injury, but still a quite serious illness. So Chris dealt with that, too. So I think there's some knee soreness and his knee bothering him that they would shut him down for. And then he deals with this illness. And then there's still that ramp-up concern of he still only played seven NBA games since the playoffs in the Bulls series last year. And what they don't want to do is throw him back out there and ask him to do too much and then see a more serious injury. So it's just a lot of semi-random things mixed with the Bucks kind of caution with players. And I think that's why it's been so long. And they really... As hard as it is to play without him, they really want to do that now rather than May again because they saw how that ended up against Boston. Um, yeah, it looks like injury is going to be defining this series, at least for my, yeah. on Miami's end of things. You know, without any updates on Bam and Abaya, we're not quite sure exactly what's happening with Tyler Hero. We haven't had any updates as of today. So Maybe that that wall that Miami has been able to effectively create to help limit what Giannis can do won't be there. Does that take some some kind of luster off the series from your perspective? I, I know Milwaukee season has been so up and down that at this point you're looking like Miami. You, you just need wins right now. It doesn't matter who you compete against or anything else. That's but do you see this matchup against Miami as one that you wanted to prove yourself to, or is that is beyond this at this point? You just want to be able to find a way for Milwaukee to win effectively, regardless of whoever's out on the floor? I mean, I think Miami still, even with the disappointing start from what you'd expect, and I think like in the, I think I just took their over before the season. We did the whole NBA just because like they figure stuff out. There's going to be some random player and it looks like it, it may be uh, Orlando Robinson this year who just <laughs> wow, comes out of there. nowhere and can play. Yeah, um, they're always going to play great defense. They're, they're coached very well. We all know Spoh's one of the best coaches in the league. And I think... Okay. He's, yeah, he's not not too bad. But I think you look at that, you look at this heat situation where they are no now and go, oh great, now they can be a hellish first round matchup, which is kind of what we thought would be, mm. you know, the playoffs two years ago until the Bucks ended up, you know, kind of just taking care of business. That heat team kind of just out of steam at that point. So I mean maybe that would be how it goes again this year. Who knows? But I do know as a Bucks watcher who's seen some of these battles. You never want to discount that team. So I think, you know, if Bam especially is unable to play in both, that takes a lot of the luster off just because there's such a gulf between what you're going to see for the Heat defense in a Buck series with Bam without Bam. And as good as two-way player Orlando Robinson has been, clearly he's not as good as Bam Adebayo, right? Like, you have to be realistic. So, I mean, I think, yeah, this would be good tape, and hopefully these teams can be all the way healthy. I think they have two games in February after these two. So we see at least one this season real matchup because I can tell you, you know, the Knicks have been really good and fun as a Bucks person. I think I can speak broadly. They'd probably rather see a healthy, ready to roll Knicks than Bucks if we're talking about uh, in Heat, I should say, first round series, just because Jimmy Butler is an X factor and Bam certainly as a two way player is an X factor. Um, I want to ask you about Giannis because there's some interesting stats with him this season that I want to get into. And I also want to talk about where the Heat and the Bucks both stack up in the Eastern Conference. But first, David, can you tell listeners about our sponsor? Absolutely. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know everybody's goal is probably to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste. And man, I've got just the thing for you. You gotta try Built. With Built, 
Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you, but they're perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar without while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later, and always you can go to built.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. We'll get to some trade deadline questions here in a second and then the keys to this upcoming two-game series between the Heat and the Bucks Thursday and uh, Saturday. Um, Ty, Giannis is, is obviously one of the best, I don't know, two players in the NBA, and I don't know that he's number two. Um, so let me get that out of the way first. But you look at some of his statistics here, and he's shooting a lower percentage from the field overall than he has in his previous MVP caliber campaigns. He's shooting a worse percentage at the rim. I think it's below 80% for the first time in, what, three years, two years, something like that, which is still really good. I think it's 74 75%. Awesome for most players. Worse than usual for, for Giannis. Uh, he's not as, I don't know, energetic defensively as he used is this just a is this just a symptom of hey we're the bucks we know what we are it's the regular season we're not that worried about it maybe a little bit of coasting here um i think that's the answer but i'm just i'm curious what you think it is 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 going on yeah yeah i mean i think certainly the defense is like i i don't think i think it'll be better i, I shouldn't say it will i think it hopefully will look better if the team is fully healthy, because I do think there's just that equation of like, you can only do so much on so on both ends for 82 games. And I think we've seen this with so many players. I mean, LeBron is usually a Giannis comp, but I think it's it's lazy in a lot of ways. But that idea of like, you know, LeBron stopped being an all defensive player at a certain point in his career because he was like, I'm carrying this whole offense. I'm not going to do this for 82 games. Like, I'll do it when it matters. And I think that's kind of where Giannis has been. And I think it's been kind of exasperated I'll say by you know the the lack of ball handlers and the lack of offense and Giannis having to do even more and like he keeps battling Embiid for something I would not like him near the top of the league in usage rate right and he's like having to finish so many possessions just do so much and I think that clearly is having a toll on his efficiency as is teams just being able to plan for him more and get away with it because other guys aren't making them pay so I don't think it's like Giannis declining. I also think, unfortunately, he started the year ice cold from his jumper, which we had seen big improvements on in the last two years before that. His mid-range was like, could not find the basket at all. And that started to rebound a bit. I don't think it's, you know, gotten his numbers back up to what you would hope or expect, I guess, as a Bucks fan. But I think that's moving in the right direction. But yeah, I think this has kind of been symptomatic of the Bucks season. Not just that, you know, oh, we're ready for the playoffs. They still want to win a lot of games, I think. But just dealing with what they've dealt with this season, it's it's affected how Giannis has looked and how the numbers have borne out too. Is 
home court advantage, obviously, I mean, you're, you're still in prime consideration, or the Bucks are still in prime consideration for that. But is that a priority, given what this team has been able to experience? And do you see any other teams that are legitimate threats right now? Obviously, Boston, Brooklyn, Cleveland, anything like that, that you think is most dangerous in terms of like what Milwaukee is trying to accomplish seating-wise? It's a good question. I mean, you've for I think for home court, yeah, I think they want it, and I, I, they're not going to go all out for the one seed, but I think they want to be top three. I, I certainly don't think they want to be anywhere close to the like four or five and slipping into five and not having it at all. Uh, and obviously, if you're in that range, you're never that far from the play in, and nobody wants to dip down to the play in. So um, <laughs> that I, sounds I, like a dig at Miami a little bit. There, no, right? I mean, I, I mean, I think if you yeah, ask Miami, the lines a little bit. yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think if you asked Spo, they would say, yeah, we'd much rather be four than you know where we are now. It's it's sure. it's not where anyone wants to be. Uh, not saying teams deserve to be there or not, or how the standings look right now, but. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think one is a priority, but I think they like to be top three. I feel like that's kind of their benchmark is we'll be one of the best three. If we have to go on the road for that extra game once or twice, you know, we, we can figure that out. And I mean, you know, again, one game one in Boston without Chris, right? They've, they've won on the road before, um, you know, the, the Nets series where they dropped the first two and then rebounded from there. So um, I, I think, or they dropped one of the first two, not both, sorry. But um, I, I think they feel confident they can win on the road a couple of times, but I, I don't think they... They, they don't want to slip entirely. I think that would really bother them um, for a few reasons. For opponents, Boston's got to be number one just because they beat them last. And, and you know, they looked like the one of the best teams ever early in the year. They're still holding on to that one seed. They're still dangerous two-way team that has personnel suited for pretty much playing against anybody. Brooklyn, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, it's like... If you could guarantee that they're going to look the way they looked over the last several weeks, sure. But I just don't think anyone is. So I, I think you'd go to, like, maybe the Cavs next, as young as they are, just because that's a team that has the size to really kind of make things difficult. I feel like their inexperience would mean the Bucks would end up taking the series. But, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is an excellent playoff player. They have great guards. They have great paint presence. Like, I think it would be... It would be more difficult than some other series, even if the teams are more poised in general, just because of that that paint personnel. Uh, we remember in the bubble the Heat winning that series against the Milwaukee Bucks, and then of course the year after that the Bucks getting their revenge, beating the Heat in the first round of the playoffs. Then they didn't meet in the playoffs last year, and it feels like a little bit, at least from a league-wide perspective, that the Bucks have more of a rivalry now with the Boston Celtics, or even even the Kevin Durant version of the Brooklyn Nets at this point. I, I'm curious, from a Milwaukee perspective, do these games matter the way that I think Heat fans care about these games against the Milwaukee Bucks as sort of a measuring stick uh, of where it is that they stand? I feel like the issue is just the regular season for the Bucks has just, there's been so few games. And I think that's, you know, the Heat games, I think, will always matter a little bit. They've been pretty weird the last couple of years, if I remember right. I remember yeah. distinctly one of the ones last season the Bucks had two-way players starting. Like, like I think both as Bucks especially have just had so many games that are weird. Or and no, Brook Lopez for the first couple last season. Yeah, like it's just been it's just been tough for I guess rivalries in general. I mean, like Ring Night against the Nets was supposed to be great 
you know, the beginning of last season, and they just trounce the Nets. And then this year, they get absolutely trounced by the Nets in their last game, and they're just not competitive games. Um, so some of that is just the Bucks not playing well enough or not having guys available. But I think I think it's it depends on availability. Like I think if Bam and and some guys are not able to go, then Chris isn't able to go. Then I think it's just a, another slog of a game, considering the way these two teams have relied on defense and and maybe not scoring the ball as much. But I think if if you know if these two teams are pretty healthy, then I think you would see that come out a little bit. And there's some more importance put on. Okay, this Heat team, we know where they are in the standings, but we also know any team with Jimmy Butler, Bam, Tyler Hero, the way he's playing on offense, like. It's a difficult team. Like, it's a real team, and we know they know what to do as a team to slow down and attack the Bucks. So I don't know if it's a measuring stick, like, specifically, but I do think it's a matchup that fans are invested in and they want to see the Bucks play well because you're going to have to beat teams who can defend like Miami to win four series, whether it's actually the Heat or not. The uh, trade deadline is coming up, and both the Bucks and the Heat have been mentioned as possible suitors for one specific player who knows the Bucks Heat series well. We'll tell you who that is and oh. which team has the better chance to get them next. But first, David, the listeners about our next sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire a qualified candidate more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your other open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses Rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find a qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. You can reach Locked on Heat on Twitter, Instagram. You can email us, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Use the hashtag AskLOHeat on Twitter to send in questions for our post-game shows, especially after these Heat Bucks series. Uh, games that are coming up in this in this series. Um, trade deadline's coming up February 9th. The Milwaukee Bucks have been rumored uh, to be interested in Jay Crowder. There was that that report that they were trying to involve the Houston Rockets and the Phoenix Suns in sort of a three-way deal that would have landed them Jay Crowder. They would have gotten rid of Grayson Allen in that deal. Uh, is that something that is sort of still on the table? Is Jay Crowder still of interest to the Milwaukee Bucks? What are they kind of looking for between now and February 9th? Part of me wonders if the Bucks and other teams are like, you know, at a certain point, it was like, oh, he hasn't played at all. That's great. No mileage, no less mileage. Right? He'll be fresh. Right. I wonder how far you get. And it's like, oh, we're going to have to ramp this guy up. This guy hasn't played at all. Like, when does it become a not good thing? I, I feel like we've just heard his name so much less, which is honestly a little surprising that it's not brought up more just because, you know, you look at the Suns and the predicament they're in and being without key players, including the guy who was starting over Jay Crowder. The fact that they never worked anything out. I mean, at first we thought it was about the starting spot. Then we heard maybe it's about getting an extension, and clearly that hasn't happened. And, you know, we also heard reporting that Robert Sarver is still calling financial strings there for now. So Mm -hmm. it would make sense they're not giving out extensions because Robert Sarver is not really about spending the old money. Um, I think Jay Crowder would still help the Bucs. I think at this point in the season, seeing what we've seen, 
offense is still a focus and adding more offense versus the defensive personnel, I think is still where I would go, even with seeing Ingles step up just because his age and coming off of that injury, you don't want to rely too much on him. And another shot creator, I think would be really beneficial to the Bucks or just scorer. Um, so Crowder is still certainly interested in adding him, especially if the price is second round picks versus first round picks, but not a priority. And it seems like based on the lack of buzz, maybe he's not a priority for that many teams at this point either. That's a good point. Uh, Miami has some experience in acquiring a player who sat out the first half of the season when they picked up Andre Iguodala that year, uh, the bubble year. But then again, the, you know, everybody was kind of thinking that long hiatus. They were slow to ramp him up and incorporate him. And of course, this is Iguodala, who's a little older than Crowder is at this point, has a little bit more experience and re- reportedly was working out on his own. Uh, while he was still with the Memphis Grizzlies at that point. But uh, I'm curious to see in what kind of shape Crowder comes in now. But there are other names, too. I, I ahead, wonder if there's a little bit of like a, also like, you know what, F this guy kind of thing going on in the league. Because Andre Iguodala yeah. was at least decorated, had won finals and stuff like that. Jay Crowder sort of carries himself like he's done stuff in the NBA. It's yeah. not that he's not had a great – he's had a very successful career, but he's not like yeah. an Olympian. Well, he's not a, a world champion. He's not like – everybody's sort of like, dude, who are you? You kind of stand in the yeah. corner and shoot threes and make them sometimes. That so, and I think you look at the situations were so different because everybody knew like Iguodala was a salary dump to a, a rebuilding team at the time. Crowder was an integral piece of a finals run and then a team with the best record in the regular season, and they desperately need guys, and he's still not there. So maybe the rest of the league doesn't care, and maybe right. they do. Who knows? But I think certainly the Suns have to be like – this sucks, dude. Like, come on. We kind of need also, players at this point. I don't know that they're going to get a first-round pick for I, I have no, no idea what they're going to get for him. But at yeah. this point, you're asking for a couple of months of Jay Crowder. Maybe he helps you in a playoff series. And then what happens? Like, are you really going to give Jay Crowder that extension? Are you really going to give him $10 million every for, for three more years or whatever it is that he's looking for? Who knows? What are the what, what, what else could the Milwaukee Bucks be kind of looking for between now and the yeah. deadline? They're like Miami. They've been linked to like every name out there. I know yeah. Bogdanovich, Kuzma, others, I'm sure, are probably in, in the mix Clarkson, somewhere. they yeah, poked around. Right. Well, allegedly. But the the Jazz, I commend the Jazz for working this angle still that they're not going to trade anyone. I, I think they're going to trade almost everyone in the next 13 months. But they keep saying they won't to make sure they get top dollar. I see what you're doing, Danny Ainge. Clarkson would be great. I mean, is, he, is it a contract year thing? And do you hate kind of buying high on that? Yes, but also, I mean, he's playing really well right now, and, and you'll take a guy who's hitting his stride. And I just think he solves a lot of questions about, like, okay, what do you do when Giannis isn't out there? Or when, you know, Giannis is out there, you just need a little more juice off the ball. The shooting isn't ideal, um, but just he's a proven scorer. Bogdanovich, on the other hand, is not as good of a passer, but I think in lineups with the other top Bucks guys – makes just so much sense as he can be on ball off ball he can shoot you know he's big and the bucks like being big and i think you know if your starters slash closers are like drew holiday chris middleton boyan bogdanovich Giannis brook i think the bucks would like leading into just being huge and physical and, and bullying other teams and not giving small guards anywhere to hide at all so you know those guys would be really exciting but part of me wonders do the bucks want to hold that first because you know, you get to you get through another season after this one. If you can get and stay healthy, then you could trade three first, including a guy you pick at twenty twenty four draft night, and then maybe make a re, a bigger move to kind of get another star ish player to pair with the honest who's more on his timeline. I really think it's just going to depend on who is available, right? Like all of these teams are saying they don't want to trade their guys. 
I don't think the Bucks are going to get in a bidding war, partially because they just don't have that much to bid with, given their their draft capital. But I bet they'll they'll move some salary and some second round picks because they have a lot of those to make some upgrades somewhere. I mean, I think the Grayson Allen experiment is just not going well. So someone who makes around that amount who they could get, you know, an unexciting one would be like Gary Harris or Alec Burks, but maybe right. that's more consistent player. And then like Clarkson would be a huge deal. Bogdanovich, you're tearing your team apart a little bit. Most players, I wouldn't want to do that. For a 20-point-per-game guy on 40% shooting from three, yeah, okay, maybe that's worth doing. And then you have to throw in an Ingles or someone else and really get messy with who goes out. Um, who's the ideal Who's the ideal name for you that could plug in all the holes for especially Milwaukee's offense? I mean, I think Bojan, but I just find it a little unrealistic that they'd move enough salary. You're talking about Ingles and more and like Wara and maybe more than that. Um, plus Grayson is Grayson's in all the deals. Every every Bucks fan throws Grayson in as the starting point. Um, but Clarkson, you could do like Grayson and then another small-ish contract or two. And I think Wara makes a lot of sense to go no matter what because he just doesn't play. Some team will want to see what, what he's got. The Bucks, I think, have seen enough. And now Marjan Bochamp is the developmental wing. So uh, I think Clarkson is the reasonable one that I'd be most excited about. Even if I'm concerned about the shooting, like a super-duper sixth man would really help this team through the regular season and the playoffs. I like Bochamp. He's probably a couple of years away from really helping in a playoff series. But yeah. I, I really like what, what they've seen. Uh, hypothetically, if you could drop one player on the Miami Heat roster onto the Milwaukee Bucks, you don't have to give up anything, no draft picks, no players. You just handpick a player, drop them onto the Milwaukee Bucks. Who would you pick? Jimmy. 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 I think it's just easy for me. I yeah. love Bam, but and they would figure it out to an extent. But Giannis and non-shooting centers is just difficult, like non-three-point shooting centers. Even They'd if they're really a non-shooting good. wing. Yeah, honestly, yeah, because he's going to yeah. handle the ball a lot more, and I just True. think it would work easier. And Jimmy is just like, yeah. you've just seen Jimmy do so much incredible stuff on the NBA level. Yeah, I just think he's such a winner that I'll bet on him to work it out and figure it out. And they'll, they'll have to pivot to more spacing. Is Drew Jimmy, Drew Jimmy Giannis, that's a lot of different J and G sounds. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that a little difficult to figure out? Yeah. Are other teams going to score at all? Probably not. And I think it'd be good for Jimmy, too, to, to be on a team with – you know, some more offensive guys who are going to use the ball a lot probably help him as, as he ages a bit here, although he's still playing like he's not aging at all. Well, you can't have him, Ty. So that's fair. Uh, it's a sports show. It wouldn't be a, we wouldn't be doing a sports show, right, if we didn't have something called like keys to the game or keys to victory. So I've got three keys to this upcoming series, two games, Thursday night uh, and Saturday afternoon, Heat Bucks. I'm going to give you my three keys. David, Ty, you just tell me where I'm wrong or if you want to add anything, et cetera, your thoughts. Okay, first key is the turnover battle. The Heat forced the second most turnovers in the NBA. The Bucks give up the 24th most, the 24th worst team. However yeah, you I was going to say, they're, they're closer to the worst than the yeah, best. The I worst, know that from watching them. One of the worst six teams in terms of giving up the ball. So Heat force a lot, the Bucks cough it up a lot. So going in, you'd think maybe that's an advantage that the Heat might have. Free throws. The Heat average uh, 18.8 free throws a game. That's 13th in the NBA. Milwaukee averages 17.3 a game. That's 24th in the NBA. So that also might – and by the way, that number was also helped by going 40 of 40 from the line the other night, the way that Miami yeah. did. But free throws is going to be big. Giannis is always getting to the basket, drawing fouls. Ditto for Jimmy Butler. And then there's three-point shooting. Uh, both the Heat and the Bucks are 6th and 7th in three-point attempts per game, around 37, 38 per game. Both are also bottom 10 in three-point percentage. They take a lot. They don't make a whole bunch of them. Kind of feels like also, you could say this almost about any NBA game at this point, but whichever team makes more threes is going to have a better chance to win this game. 
hopefully that helps out the Miami Heat, considering that they're their home team. Teams typically shoot better on the uh, at home than they do on the road. But any adjustments? Any any disagreements? Any thoughts on my on my three keys to the series? I think the Bucks limiting turnovers is always a big deal for them. I mean, they've coughed it up at a really ridiculous rate lately. I think some of that too, again, is just relying on less proven ball handlers or you know needing to use guys more than they sh- more than they really probably should um, per game and handling the ball and, and making passes and everything. So I think turnovers is a great one to highlight. I agree on shooting. One of the ones that I thought of was just are the guys like Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Javon Carter based on how much he plays, are they going to hit their semi-open threes? Because they're going to be there the way teams have to defend Giannis. If they knock them down, it just makes it so much easier for Milwaukee. My other key to the game is, like, the Bucks win the Thursday game, one where they just get into Miami, like, late that night, early that morning, versus, I mean, this is, I, I if they win on Saturday, I'll be, I'll be just stunned, honestly. <laughs> like, you get into Miami for a game on Thursday, you're in Miami Thursday night, you're in Miami all day Friday and Friday night, and then you play at noon Milwaukee time, I believe, on Saturday. Like, I just, I don't think there's any shot they win that game. Maybe they go back. Who knows? But that one, to me, it's like a three-day version of the Miami flu. I mean, I really it's, hope that they get either either at least one of Hawks' heat before that game, or it's going to be a tough road trip, was my thought going into this. We're expecting an Arctic blast here in South okay. Florida. It might dip into the 50s, Ty. It was, it was 56 degrees here this morning. So, you know, it was downright it was chilly. Weather. It was 39 <laughs> here today, and I was like, this is nice. This is the sun's out again. It's been a couple months. <laughs> we'll take it. Ty, oh, this, this was nice to have you on the show. Tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It was great being on uh, on Twitter at Ty Windish, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H. And then all of our podcasts and work can be found easily at gspn.info, including my show, The Eurostep, which covers all things Milwaukee Bucks. Thank you again for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Lockdown Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Ring the bell to get notified as soon as new episodes go up. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. It's every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Stay warm.